God's people with your host, Dennis Beard. The last day work, work of the ministry, is a strange work. It's bringing to pass this act of strange act. And God will do this, our Lord Jesus Christ, simply because when judgments are in the earth, men will learn righteousness. Righteousness is the revelation of Jesus. Because, as he said in John 16, when the Holy Ghost comes, he'll reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, Jesus said, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Now, of righteousness, that is how grace reigns. It's through righteousness. Grace in itself is not just the unmerited favor of God. Grace is and reigns through righteousness. Righteousness is in and of the Lord Jesus himself that God works salvation, justification, sanctification, and ultimate glorification in and of his own body of flesh alone. There's not a second person of the Godhead. Now many will hold to that Trinity doctrine until these works are manifest in the earth, the works of judgment. God uh, bringing past his work, his strange work, and bringing to pass his act, his strange act. Well, judgment he will lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. Then all will know him, not them, him from the least to the greatest. For the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as waters cover the sea. This is a dramatic profound move of God, but it is a strange work, even as Isaiah 28 said. We're not appointed to wrath in the body of Christ, but we are appointed to the rod and the staff, which is a chastening rod of God, so that we will not, the body of Christ, whom he loves, will not be condemned with the world. So therefore, we find in Isaiah 28, this work of the Lord, And he tells exactly, Isaiah tells us exactly how it works. The bread corn is bruised. The coming and the appointed barley, the wheat, the the literal planting of God, the body of Christ, will be beaten out with a rod and the coming with a staff. We're beaten out for our own good, goodness, to be protectors of his divine nature. For if the Lord Jesus didn't do this work, we would not come into the unity of the faith. There's over 23,000 different denominations and organizations uh, in so-called Christianity. And to bring that into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, will take the judgments of God. It won't be through a seminary. It won't be through doctorates, uh, divinity, or PhDs of theology. It will be through the work of the ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, working judgments in this earth to reveal the revelation of Jesus Christ. He will do this, not for the destruction of mankind, but for the salvation of mankind. And those that will hear, that will obey, will live. Those that do not, will not live because they'll be convinced of all their ungodly deeds, which they've ungodly committed, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We have to understand that every verse in the Word of God and Scripture 
is for salvation. You'll see that many will say, no, these are not essential for salvation. It's just uh, for our principles or our godly living, but not salvation. When we find that Paul says in in Ephesians that we are called for the perfecting of the saints, not just uh, for justification or sanctification, but ultimate glorification. And Jesus said in the Constitution, in the kingdom of heaven, in Matthew 7, that he says, not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. And any man that calls Jesus Lord does so through and by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. So no, no man calls Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. It has to be revealed that he is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. But we find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the greatest message ever preached, the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, the bylaws of the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus said in Matthew 5, be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. But he equipped us to do that through the gifts that he has given unto men. For he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Why? For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. That knowledge of the Son of God is not just gnosko, knowing him after the Spirit, but it's epigonosko. In other words, coming unto perfection, unto a perfect man, and to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Though it is a great work that is just ahead that God is doing now. When we were in Transmara, Kenya, Africa, and after preaching at a Maasai travel church coming out, the Lord visited me. And in that time, uh, he spoke the bottom line of that visitation was, seal my people by my word. As I am sending the angel from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. Well, that's very profound, and we understand and always have known we're in the last of the last days. However, the sealing, the apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7, means that we're the coming of the Lord is barely at the door. That the night is far spent, the day is at hand. And the sealing is through the word of God, not just by keeping of some Sabbath or anything that we can do. It is through the works of God, the work of the ministry, this strange work that he's going to do and a strange act that he's going to bring to pass. It's judgment laid to the land, righteousness to the plummet, which will reveal Jesus, the true revelation, the real Jesus, in the height, depth, length, and width of Christ, who he is. In the height, he is the Father of glory. He is that spirit. He is the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. He is El Shaddai. He's Elohim. He is the Tetragrammaton, the Odawaha. He's the Allah through the Ta, the Alpha through the Omega, the A to the Z. In the depth that he became one of us, he laid aside his glory, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. That's how low he went, one of us, our kinsman redeemer, tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin, made of a woman made in under the law to redeem us that were under the law. 
or as much then of the children of partakers of flesh and blood, he, God himself, took part of the same that in all things he was made like unto his brethren. Hebrews 4.15, tempted in all points like we, as we are yet without sin. Well, that is profound. Even though he's God, always has been God in the height that he is, that in the depth that he became one of us, and the length and width is now Christ in the body of Christ, the hope of glory. And we have brotherly love that continues and charity abounding one toward another. That's the length and the width. So it will perfect the body of Christ unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. For Jesus is not coming back for a church with us that is uh, without, without uh, in a carnal mind, without sin. He's coming back for one that is perfect, spotless, blameless, that has made herself ready, uh, that is uh, spotless and without blemish, a perfect, glorious church. Now, with that said, we have to understand how God will do that. How will he perfect his body? Well, how did the Lord perfect his own body of flesh in the days of his flesh when God, the Lord Jesus, had made himself of no reputation? He took on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself even to the death, the death of the cross. And what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Not a second person of the Godhead, but the Word. God himself, the Father of glory, Emmanuel, God with us, that literally took on a body of flesh and blood. We find that in Isaiah 43:10, that thus saith the Lord. This is the revelation of Jesus, that he is the Lord. The Lord is that spirit. That is Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3:17. In Isaiah 43:10, thus saith the Lord, Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the invisible spirit of God that's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and my servant whom I have chosen. That sounds like there's two. The worldly church tells us there's two. The Protestant religion says that there's two. And we've been told that for years and centuries. But the truth is, in the last days, God will reveal who he is through judgments. Because when judgments in the earth, men will learn righteousness in the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the last book in your Bible in the word of God. So thus saith the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, that invisible spirit of God that is the omniscient, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God Almighty and my servant whom I have chosen. Well, the world says that's true, but when we see what Jesus said, what God says about his own body of flesh and blood, the servant, he says, that servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. God is that servant. That servant is God. We read on, and it says, Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. Formed in what? What way? Philippians 2, 6. Jesus took upon him the form of a servant, after he had made himself of no reputation. Jesus, who is God in the form of God, 
made himself of no reputation, laid aside his glory, a self-imposed limitation to become a man. He took on him the form of a servant. And what is that servant? Made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself to the death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Jehovah's salvation, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jehovah God Almighty to the glory of the Father. He didn't go to the glory of the Son. He went to the glory of the Father. In Isaiah 43.10, we find that the Lord gives witness in his own testimony, believing that what God has said of his own son, that he is that son. We find that in Hebrews 1. The day thou have, I have begotten thee, when I set thee at my own right hand in the heavenly place, which of the angels said he at any time, said thou to my right hand. But unto the son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. For thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with all of gladness above thy fellows. Who is this? There's only one God. There's only one spirit. This man, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the days of his flesh, is God manifest in the flesh. That's the mystery. That's the mystery of Jesus Christ, the mystery of wisdom and the mystery of knowledge. That's the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. That is the Christ. Christ is God. We see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. And we find that all the Old Testament prophets prophesied of the gracious should come unto us. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ that was in them. That spirit is capital S. It is God Almighty. God is a spirit. Who is that? That is Christ. He's always been God. Always will be God. But when he's testified beforehand and signified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. First Peter verse Chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. For it behooved Christ, who is God, to suffer, die, and rise again, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. That's exactly what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when they asked men and brethren, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, that's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, for the remission of your sins, you're born of the water, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're born of the Spirit. Now, the fundamentalists have done nothing but repentance, and godly sorrow worked the repentance unto salvation, but the Lord wants us, in the fundamentalists, to go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. And he will do a work in judgment, a strange work, 
to bring to pass this act is strange act. Two, not to destroy the body of Christ that are simply, now they've done is repent, but to get them to come on into more light, greater light, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ unto perfection, not just fundamentalists, not just repentance, but then born of the water and the spirit. And born of the water and the spirit was given to us by Peter on the day of Pentecost. When they were picked in their heart, they said, men and brother, what must we do? Well, Peter gives us how to be born of the water and the spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. Your sins are not remitted by asking Jesus to come into your heart. That's repentance. But still, the remission of the sins, the body of the sins of flesh, of the flesh are not destroyed except by being born of the water by baptism, which is the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. And it is done only by baptism. You'll see that in Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. So the ones that are fundamentalists will have to go on. They'll have to go further into the word of God in obedience because grace reigns through righteousness and to obtain righteousness requires obedience. The Holy Ghost is given to them that obey him. So whosoever yield you members of servants to obey him are the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, even though you have the Holy Ghost, or of obedience unto righteousness, which yields the peaceable fruits of holiness, Romans 6. So this judgment of God is not to destroy mankind, but to allow us to walk greater in light, to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, not in just one feast of Passover repentance, but the feast of unleavened bread and first fruits that is uh, uh, buried with Jesus in baptism. That's born of the water for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, born of the Spirit. But then we're only but newborn babies at that time. And we've got to grow up into him in all things. So he gives us apostles, some of prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That's not a suggestion. It's not in the sweet by and by. It's now. The Holy Ghost is given to us to lead us and guide us into all truth and the knowledge of all these things of faith. Faith is the substance of things so far. The evidence of things not seen. Well, the revelation of Jesus Christ in its fullness is the last book in your Bible. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. It's not maybe will come to pass. Must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel unto John. That is very profound in that John the Baptist forerun Jesus' first coming and John, the body of Christ, will forerun Jesus' second coming. We find that in Revelation 10. So it's much higher in glory. The church, the individual members in the body of Christ in the church, no matter what denomination they're in, knows 
that there's something more. They feel it in their heart, in their spirit, that there's more in the word of God for them. There's more than just justification or sanctification. There's ultimately glorification. Our vile body fashioned like in his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things into himself. Well, then how do we obtain this? Well, through faith. But faith has to be added to through obedience. Second Peter 1, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience. All this requires obedience unto righteousness. And then patience, then godliness, the God life. Godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, finally charity, which is the final epoch. It's the final glory. It's the final fullness of Jesus Christ revealed in and through the body of Christ. That's the reason charity will cover a multitude of sins. It's not love. It's a love of God based in doing his will. We can love God in word and tongue, but not in deed and in truth. Charity is, is loving God not only in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. <clears throat> That's the reason why charity will cover a multitude of sins. It's the obedience unto righteousness. And charity is the bond of perfectness. The bond is the guarantee. If you get a bond on a job, it's a guarantee that the job will be completed. Well, charity is the bond that God has, our guarantee unto perfection, perfectness. And charity there is the final step in glory for the body of Christ. They're about a faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of these is charity, not faith, because you add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. That charity is the final stage in glory. And that glory that will be revealed in and through the body of Christ will, as stated in 2 Corinthians 3, for God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, that face is important. <clears throat> for us to come unto perfection. Now we see through a glass darkly, but it's only then when we're face to face with Jesus, when he lifts us up and we will live in his sight face to face. <clears throat> that is not things seeing through a glass darkly. That's the knowledge of God and knowing even as we are known of him. It's face to face. Paul states that in 1 Corinthians 13. You feel there's more for you? Yes, there is. If you're a fundamentalist, go on. Go on and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Those are titles. Father's a title, Son's a title. Holy Ghost, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. There's no other name. Under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus is the only revealed blood name of God, whereby when you take on the name of Jesus, that name that literally is applied and literally through that circumcision of the heart, 
the body of the sins of the flesh is destroyed. It's only done by water baptism. There, you'll see it in Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12, by baptism, that the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed by baptism through faith. It requires faith in the operation of God when he raised him from the dead. What operation of God? God takes a spiritual scaffold and an operation. And when you invoke the name of Jesus in water baptism, it cuts off the foreskin of the heart, the body of the sins of the flesh, destroyed by baptism, Colossians 2.12. We have to have faith in that operation of God, knowing that he said and will do as he has promised. And that is born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is born of the Spirit. When you have done that, not only repentance, but you have uh, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, born of the water, for the remission of your sin, and you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're born of the water and the Spirit, then it is a wilderness journey, pilgrims and strangers in this earth, that we are tried as by fire. And though our faith be tried as by fire, that it will come forth as pure gold. That is the reason why, think it not strange, the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's happening now in the earth. God's judgments are being manifest. We're seeing volcanoes. We're seeing earthquakes in diverse places. And they're accelerating more than ever. Because the times are there. The time of uh, then when the Lord uh, is coming and the night is far spent, the day is at hand. And you see all these things uh, beginning to come to pass. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. It's very nigh at the door. For the night is far past. The day is at hand. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. But he wants us to come on to the measure of the statue of Jesus, not as a suggestion, but as a commandment. We must grow up into Jesus in all things, all things of faith, all truth, so that we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. In the last days, they will be seducing spirits and doctors of devils, such as has never been before. And if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. There, it states the Spirit expressly in 1 Timothy 4.1. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days, these days, some shall depart from the faith, not all, but they'll give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They'll forbid to marry and abstain from each which God is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. It'll be against the oracles of God, the first principles of the oracles of God, we are to go on to perfection. We see that in Hebrews 6, but very people, very few people in the body of Christ thinks that it is necessary to go on to perfection. But the Lord requires it. It is a commandment. Paul stated, leaving therefore the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. We need to know that, of course. That's essential for salvation, but so is perfection. Don't anybody tell you that the Lord is coming back for babies 
that are unskillful in the word of righteousness, Hebrews 5, that they have a promise that doesn't make any difference. Hebrews 4, Paul said, Take heed lest a promise slip any of you. You should seem to come short of entering to his rest. For Jesus had given them rest. He would not have spoken of another day because he spoke of another day. He said, I have many things to tell you disciples. He was going to the cross of Calvary, to Jerusalem. And yet, he said, I have many things yet to tell you, but you're not able to bear them now. There's more to come. But when the comfort of the Holy Ghost has come, he'll speak of me for all that the Father's given is given unto me. He's glorified by the Father's own self. He went back to his former glory as the Father of glory, set down in the Father's throne, Revelation 3.21. He is that blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent God, 1 Timothy 6.15. There's the revelation. And there, if you have questions, please contact us because it is by revelation of the Holy Ghost and the Lord will give you the truth and you will know the real Jesus. Well, Paul stated, take heed lest the promise slip any of you. Well, Jesus said there, if Jesus had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day. He said, I have many things to tell you disciples. He said it to the cross, yet you're not able to bear them now. But when the cover of the Holy Ghost has come, he'll speak of me for all that the Father's given is given unto me, and he will show you what? Things. Faith is the substance of things. It's the faith that was uh, we, we are to earnestly contend for, that faith that was once delivered to the saints. And he says there, he will show you things that will come to pass. Well, that's the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, leading and guiding us into all truth, not partial truth. Because when you reach that point, that pinnacle of charity, at that time, he says, that charity will cover a multitude of sins. The charity will abound one toward another. We're bound to thank God for you, brethren, and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Are you going through persecution and tribulation? Well, that's a good sign because it is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Why? That you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to render tribulation to them that have troubled you. And you that are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven, taking vengeance on them that know not God. And what? When he comes to be revealed in his saints, because our testimony among you was believed, the testimony. What's Paul preaching there? The testimony of Jesus. It's not just, I want to get up in a church and give my testimony. It's the testimony of Jesus. It's not just what's happened to you. It is the testimony not of, uh, for me, for the testimony of Dennis Beard. No, it's the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. And without that spirit of prophecy, it is impossible to keep the sayings of the book of this prophecy, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book of the prophecy, blessed are they, it has a definite blessing with it that read 
and keep the sayings of the book of this prophecy. Not just a reader, not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of it. And we find seven all the way through it. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, seven angels to the seven churches. And we see seven. It's the, it is the book of prophecy. It is the uh, season of tabernacles, the season of ingathering. It is the feast of sevens. It's a feast of prophecy. It's a feast of all feasts. It's coming unto perfection. And that is where we are today. So don't let any man tell you or anyone that when you feel that it is an unction from the Holy Ghost to go on, that there's more where there is more for you. And God wants to glorify you with his own self. He wants to bring you into all truth, not just partial truth. Seek out the book and read. Not one of these things shall fail. Oh, that they were wise that they would understand their latter end to the law, the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and to the testimony, the testimony of Jesus. If any speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them, not some light, no light. What Jesus is saying there in Isaiah 8, as well as as, as in Revelation 19.10, is that we, have to go on unto perfection. That is exactly what Paul exhorted the brethren to do in Revelation there in Hebrews 6. He said, leaving therefore, don't forget them, but leaving therefore, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection. The perfecting of the saints will be through these judgments of God. The body of Christ that he had in the days of his flesh, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered, making the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. Well, how will he do it through the body of Christ in the last days? He will accomplish to scatter the power of the holy people for time, times, and dividing of a time. That's the reason why you see in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, that pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Why? Well, winter's a time of snow and hail, God fulfilling his word. Psalm 148. It's also the Sabbath, the seventh. It's a time to enter into his rest, an eternal sabbatico. And that is that flight. That flight, pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be a time of great tribulation. Such a never was a nation, no, nor shall ever be again. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved but for the elect's sake. That's not Israel. The elect is the elect of God, which is the church. The election according to grace in the ecclesia, the called out ones. So it's time for us to stir ourselves up, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That mark is a tav. It's not the alav. It's not the beginning of the race, but it's the full consummation of it to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man to the, until that literally coming to the image of Jesus. That's what we're called for. It says that whom, according to that foreknowledge of God, whom he did foreknow, that's God's foreknowledge, them he did predestinate. 
to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He wants to bring us all in to where the forerunner has already entered in. Then them that those that he predestinated, them he called. Them that he called, he also justified. Don't stop there. Those that he justified, them he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, not something less. So we find that God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessel. What treasure? The treasure, we have missed the mark because in him, in Jesus, are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he's given this treasure to us. Is this not sealed up among my treasures to be revealed in the last day, saith God? For the Lord will judge his people and repent himself of the evil. When he sees their powers gone and there's none shut up or left. Why does he do it? That you may know and see that I am God, he says. And beside me, there is no God. I know not any. I kill, I make alive. I wound, I heal. Deuteronomy 32. That's the song of Moses. And we cannot sing that song unless we have by faith experienced it. And that song of Moses and the song of the Lamb are the song of the redeemed. They keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Having the seal of the Father's name written in their foreheads, uh, Revelation 14, 12. The time is now. That God has shown forth his glory. It's already revealed. Not another coming. In the face of Jesus Christ, the face of Jesus is the glory. That's the reason on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus' face shone as it were the sun in its brightness. His garments were glistening. But along with Jesus, Peter, James, and John saw Moses and Elijah. That's the work of the ministry in the last days. But after it was over, they saw Jesus only. Why? Because Jesus did redemption miracles. He healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, cast out devils, opened blind eyes, loosed the dumb tongue, the lame walked, and the captive went free. Blessed is he whomsoever is not offended in me, Jesus said. Well, he only did the resurrection miracles that he is the resurrection and the life, showing it, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, know ye, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Believe me that I'm in my father, my father in me, Jesus said, or else believe me for these works sake. The words that I speak are not mine. These are the words of God Almighty, the Father, through his own body of flesh, the Son, which is the Father revealed. Not another spirit, not a second person of the Godhead. That is a revelation that will be revealed in the last days that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty, Revelation 1.8. There are not three in a Godhead. Never has been, never will be. God works salvation in and of himself alone. Now, that glory is given to us, that same glory in John 17. When Jesus prayed to the Father in the days of his flesh, they're working salvation for us. He said, Father, make them one even as we are one. As you are in me and I'm in you, let them be made perfect in one. 
also that where I am, there they may be also. And in the days of his flesh, and Jesus died, buried, rose again, and then was glorified with the Father's own self. But he set a place at the right hand of God for us. We're there at the right hand. And it's what he wrought to usward, Ephesians 1, when he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. The right hand is not a physical uh, chire in a physical right hand of God. It's dexios, D-E-X-I-O-S. Dexios is an elevation, a literally exaltation. It just means that Jesus is exalted, and now I exalt the body of Christ because you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Where I am, there you may be also. So we see it in Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. That is what he prepared for us. He sets us at the highest place of God in relation to God that we can be at the right hand. And you and I will be there if we follow him to know the Lord in obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now then, Jesus went on and said in Revelation 3.21, even as I overcame, where did you go, Jesus? Are you still there? Is, is that as high as you went? Revelation 3.21, even as I overcame and him set, not S-I-T, not positional, but a state of glory, pasteo, that's always been, always has been, and always will be God. Set down with my Father, not at the right hand, not around the throne, but sat down with my Father in his throne. Oh, glorified with the Father's own self, John 17, 5. Now you're getting the real revelation of Jesus and the work of the ministry in the last days and judgment that God will do will be to reveal Jesus Christ and him only, that he's the only true God in eternal life. And all will know this when he does this work. There will be no false doctrine. There will be no false lifted up gods for he alone will be God and he alone will set upon the throne of his father, David, even as revealed in Psalm 132, 11, the Lord hath promised and sworn to David and will not turn from it that of the fruit of thy body, David, will I, God himself, set upon thy throne. He will reign and rule in the earth for a thousand years, showing that he alone is God and there's not another. No second person of the Godhead. He alone is God. The whole work of the ministry is that revelation of Jesus, that he is God, that he is that one spirit and not another. That's the whole fundamental doctrine and essence of the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he is that God. He is that omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He is that blessed and only potentate. That's a capital P, the Almighty. That is 1 Timothy 6.15. Who only hath their mortality, dwelling in the light which no man, no other man, can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. Why? Because he, that man, that Jesus, that Adam, made that last Adam, was made a quickening spirit. No other man can. No other man will be God. 
not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, not Paul, Peter, John, no other apostle. Only Jesus is that blessed and only potentate who only hath their mortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto nor see nor can see. He is the blessed and only God Almighty, and God has shown forth his glory in the face of his own body, in his own form, that he formed himself a body of flesh and blood, Isaiah 43.10. Thus saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand. He wants you to understand the Godhead, who he is, that I am he. God is that servant. And he tells you how he did it. Before me there was no God formed, Neither shall be after me. God formed himself a body of flesh and blood. Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. There is no other God. He's going to reveal that in the seals, trumpets, and vows, and filled up the wrath of Almighty God in the book of the Revelation simply to reveal who he is. It's the revealing, unveiling of Jesus Christ, the only true God in eternal life. The whole volume of the book, it's written of him, Jesus. I come to do thy will, O God, for a body that has prepared me. God prepared himself a body. And because Jesus, in the days of his flesh, showed us the way, the truth, and the life, and that predestination, what? For us, that, for that he would bring many sons unto glory. That's the whole will of God from the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, the whole mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world has been to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus, not another person of the Godhead. All things are all things of truth, and we will inherit all things, those that overcome, that is. So the bottom line, before me there was no God formed, Neither shall be after me, God says. See, now that I am God, thy Savior, the Lord, thy Redeemer. Who's the Savior? Jesus Christ. Who's the Lord, thy Redeemer? Jesus. Is he the only one? Yes. What's the work of the ministry? To reveal that. The gospel of the kingdom being preached to all the world for a witness in all nations. Then the end will come. The Lord God himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. It's a blessed hope of the glorious resurrection. Our vile bodies fashioned like unto his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. Jesus is that God. In 2 Corinthians 3, the Lord is that spirit. Jesus is that spirit. What does that have to do with us? Well, he wants to bring many sons into glory. They will be called sons and daughters of God Almighty. I'll be their God, and you will be sons and daughters unto that one God. In that day in Zechariah 14, there will be one king over all the earth, and his name one, not three, not two, but one. That is the revelation of Jesus. That's the last book in the word of God. He settles it and establishes it in the earth by judgments. There's no other way. 
We find in Revelation 16, I'm sorry, Revelation 15 in the Song of Moses, Song of the Lamb, for thy judgments are made manifest in the earth. When the judgments are made manifest in the earth, what is it? That they understand righteousness, that he is God, and beside him there is none other. So God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Pentecost, we see and have seen through a glass darkly. Have knowledge in part. We only know these things of faith in part, partial. But then face to face, that face has a lot to do with it. That's the reason on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus' face shone as it were the sun. Why? They saw his majesty, that he is God. That's a revelation, an epistle of Peter that he saw. We saw his majesty. We saw that he is God Almighty, the wonderful counsel of the mighty God, the everlasting Father. They saw it. There was no doubt in their mind. They saw from that Jesus, that he, they saw his majesty, capital M, that he's God. Well, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, in the face of that man. For us, he's always been God, but he did it for us. So he's shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus. We beheld his glory. He's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Nobody's seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, not around him, in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. John 1, 18. There is not another. Well, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Do we stay in partial truth? Just seen through a glass darkly? No. We're in a different season. We're in a season under perfection. Again, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. That treasure that is hid in Christ Jesus, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ Jesus. But now in his glory, he said, now when I'm glorified, I'm not going to show or speak to you anymore in Proverbs, John 16. I'm not not going to speak to you anymore in Proverbs. I'm going to show you plainly of the Father. It will not be any kind of a mystery. The mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, you'll know that Jesus Christ, he said, I'm God. You'll know it. Not speak anymore in Proverbs, that only the pure in heart will see it. It's going to be manifest to all, for all shall know him from the least to the greatest. There, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we, notice how it goes to the body of Christ. He's wanting to bring many sons into glory. All mankind, he wishes to be saved, not willing that any should perish. So God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure. All truth given to us through the Holy Ghost. But we have to be obedient upon the line, upon line, line, upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, until we come to the fullness of it, which we are doing now. Not in Pentecost, but in Tabernacles, the final season of God unto perfection. Not wheat, not uh, corn harvest of wheat and barley, but the fruit harvest of oil and wine. That's the reason why on the black horse rider in Revelation 6, 
that he has a pair of balances in his hand that ride her on the black horse. He says, a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. They still have some growing to do, a price to be paid, spiritual bartering. But see that you hurt not the oil and the wine. What is that? Fruit harvest of oil and wine. That's not Pentecost. That's tabernacles. That is the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus. That's the season we're in now. It is imperative. It is uh, essential for salvation. Not suggestion, but we must come unto perfection. Jesus stated so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. We must do the will of God. Otherwise, not on saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. They will begin to profess unto Jesus. They didn't do the will of God. They begin to profess unto Jesus. Notice they cast out devils. They did many wonderful works in his name. They prophesied in his name. But he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You didn't work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It was that God worked within you both the will and the do. You did not go all the way in doing the will of God. You didn't grow up into him in all things. You might have been a baby. You might have been born again of the water and spirit. We all might have uh, had the Holy Ghost and know that he is the father, little children. 1 John 2, 12 through 14. We might even grown to young men, the word of God's being strong in us and overcoming the wicked one. But until we grow up in fullness of fathers and knowing him that's from the beginning, the word of God, full glory, then we will not receive the Revelation 7 sealing of the servants of God in their forehead, that apocalyptic sealing, which is essential for salvation. Not maybe. Somebody said, well, we can still be saved, but no. Uh, that's the reason why it says in Hebrews 4, Paul exhorting, saying, take heed lest a promise slip any of you. You said, seems come short of entering into his rest. They remain at the rest of the people of God. And he that enters into his rest has ceased from his own labors. Why? And why does that work of God in the last days? There it tells us, for the Lord will judge his people and repent himself of the evil. When he sees their powers gone. Now the what? You've ceased from your own labors. The power, not the power of the Holy Ghost, your own individual will that you do is gone. Your power's gone. There's none shut up or left. And that the Lord then you have entered into his rest. Right. Blessed are they that die in the Lord. Yea, saith the spirit that they may rest from their labors. There's a rest. And their works do follow them. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. This will be the final test, the final fire, the final uh, test there. Our faith will be tried as pure gold. And hopefully we, through obedience, will obtain that righteousness in Romans 6. Though these many temptations we fall into, count it all a joy. Though your faith be tried as by fire, that it may bring forth 
come forth as pure gold for the glory of God. The bottom line, we're coming unto perfection. Somebody said, well, I don't know if we can do that until the sweet by and by. You don't have a choice. We're coming unto perfection. God's doing his work to get us there. It's compelling us. Through the work of the ministry, through God's uh, strange work, bring to pass his work is strange work and bring to pass his act is strange act. We will all come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ through grace. That grace which works, work it. Grace reigns through righteousness. That grace is effectual working of the Holy Ghost, but it's through, it's through righteousness, what he's already done. But we have to be obedient under righteousness. So God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Watch that face. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of gotten out of ourselves. What is, what's the revelation? The Lord is that spirit. Jesus is the Lord. He is that spirit. He's God. And we all with open face. Now we see through that glass darkly, but now open face. Beholding is in a glass, not a, not seeing through a glass darkly, but seeing through the perfect glass of God. We all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, not partial truth not seen through a glass darkly, but seen through a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord coming to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That is where we are. That's the season we're in. It is not a season of seeing through a glass darkly, a partial truth but then face to face that we will know even as we're known of him. Charity, we finally reached that final point of full grown stature, having our senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil, weaned from the milk and of full age. That's where we are. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. That's where we come to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ and to a perfect man, that man I write into you fathers because you've known him. It's from the beginning. That's the word of God. That is fullness of glory, not partial truth. It's all truth. Not knowing some things, but all things and faith is the substance of things. And this is the things that will be revealed to the servants of God which must shortly come to pass. It's perfection. It's not Pentecost. It is tabernacles. We're not Pentecostals. We're tabernacleists. We're going higher in glory for those that have an ear to hear. If the Holy Ghost has spoken to you, you feel a witness with us, then please uh, contact me so that we can be one together in the Lord, the body joined, fitly framed together, compacted together, whichever joint supplies, for the edifying of itself in love unto the unity of the faith. And that unity of the faith, that, that edifying of itself in love, we want to hear from you. Give me a call, Dennis Beard. The area, that area code is 903. The country code is, code is one in America. One. Area code 903-746-485. I'd love to hear from you. Love to meet you. 
where we can all work together in one. Or you can write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can message us over the website. That is uh, sailinggodspeople.org, sailinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. Thank you for those through your prayerful support and your generous offerings, whereby we're able to keep the podcast coming to you over the air. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.